Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. seated today. We're going to open our our five for five today, and you'll notice a theme. They're all ladies, Uh, uh, but it is Mother's Day, and um, I'm excited about this. I believe all five of these ladies are going to have, in fact, I know because I was in the first service, and uh, the first service was awesome and amazing. I'm expecting great things, and I have, um, I've been, uh, just a little inside Inside baseball, I've been trying to get my wife to speak for Mother's Day uh, for a few years now because she always has great things to say. Um, And so this was a way to hear from a lot of different ladies of the church. And um, I know it's going to be a blessing uh, to you, to your family, wherever you're at today. And uh, we're going to close out with just we're going to have our children come back over from kids church. And when they when at the close of the service, not now, don't get worried. Uh, we're going to have them come over at the close of service. I want you to grab your kids and, and come into the altar at the close and just, just pray over your families. And I believe there's going to be a special blessing. Not only that, we've got a special gift for all of our ladies on the way out today. And there's a photo booth on the porch. So I think it's going to be a great day. I want to bring our first speaker up today. And that is no stranger, my wife. Let's give her a great big hand as she comes. Good morning. Praise the Lord. I'm excited for today's five for five. And um, he's right. He's been trying to get me to speak for a long time. And every Mother's Day, he's like, just, you know, and I was told, I I don't know how to fill 40 minutes. Like, I can't do a whole sermon. Um, And so he said, well, okay, what about this year if I, you just have to do a few minutes and we get some other ladies too. And I said, all right, I can do that. So um, I'm excited for today, and I'm excited to hear from the other ladies as well. And um, yeah, I just want to say happy Mother's Day to all the moms. And uh, even if you're not a mom, we're still glad you're here today. We honor you, and I love to to, uh, just celebrate this day, all the women of the church, whatever your title. Um, Maybe you're a mom, maybe you're a grandmother, sister, aunt, whatever your title. God bless you, and we're glad you're here today, and I'm going to speak this morning on a word that the Lord gave me back in March, and I've only had this happen a couple times, but the Lord woke me up out of sleep and gave me a word, and I got my phone out, and I just started typing in my notes app uh, because I knew it was, he was speaking to me, and I kind of prayed over that, and I thought, well, Lord, is this just for me and for my family, or am I supposed to share this? And then it was a short time later that my husband asked me to speak today, and so I said, okay, Lord, I know that you gave me that word. So uh, I will share that with you today. We're going to go, if you have your Bibles, we're going to Genesis 7, verse 1. 
The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Down to verse 5, and Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. And then down to verse 23, every living thing on the face of the earth was man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. And this is a story that we've all heard, Noah's Ark. I've taught this in kids' church many times. Um, And we like to focus on the rainbow. We focus on the animals, uh, the dove. But today, I want to talk to us today about the Ark. God gave Noah specific directions for building that Ark, right? He told him what kind of wood to use. He told him how tall it should be, how wide it should be, how long it should be. And I could imagine that when Noah is, is telling his neighbors, hey, a flood is coming, and you need to, to build an ark. You need to get in the ark. And Noah's, I'm sure his, his, the people around him thought he was crazy because they had never seen rain, yeah. right? They had never seen water fall from the sky. They just couldn't even imagine that. And they thought, a flood? How, what? They, they couldn't picture it, and they didn't listen. And we could, we could gather that people probably thought Noah was a little crazy. He's out there building an ark, a big boat to to sail on top of water, and they had never even seen rain, so they couldn't fathom that. But you know, Noah didn't care what anybody else thought. Noah obeyed God. And how easy it would have been for him to say, or to think, you know, everybody else, they kind of think I'm weird. And, and I'm the only one out here building this ark. Maybe I, maybe this is silly. Maybe I misheard God. But that's not what Noah did. Noah stuck with what the Lord had given him, that word. Because Noah had a purpose. And his purpose of building the ark was to save his family. And for decades, he devoted his life to building this ark and to providing a way of escape from God's wrath that was coming and to cover his family with this ark. And in the short time we have today, I just want to remind us all that maybe, well, we're not building physical arks. I don't know about you, but I don't really get out the hammer and the nails and the gopher wood, and I'm not building an ark. But... We are building spiritual arcs. Amen? And we know that Noah's generation was full of of violence and evil and and things we wouldn't even really want to speak about right now. But, you know, that's the world that we live in. And that's the world that your children live in and that your teenagers live in. And, And Noah didn't care what anybody thought. Because he was standing up for his family and he was being obedient to God. And I want to challenge us as a church today to be like Noah, to stand up for our families. And maybe you're here today and you say, well, I don't have little kids. You know, I don't have teenagers. My kids are grown. Or maybe you're thinking, well, you know, I don't even have kids. But this message still applies because as a church body, we are building an ark. We are building a spiritual covering for our next generation. 
And, you know, it's, it's, one of, it's, it's hard. Because, and I know it was hard for Noah to, to see, and I'm sure for his kids, to see what everyone else was doing and living this life, and they're living a set-apart life. But that's what God called them to. And that's what God has called us to as Christians. And it's okay to say, no, not my family. It's okay to say, you know, this is what our family does, and I know everybody else is doing this, but not our family. It's okay to say, no, not in my house. Amen? Because the Lord, or the Bible tells us that we are in the world, but we are not of this world. This is not my home. <laughs> this is not where my, my final destination is. We are called to be separate from the world. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into this marvelous light. And we are a holy nation. Holy means to be set apart. It's different. God is calling us to be like Noah and to, to step out and do something different than everybody else. He has a purpose for you. He wants to use you to save your family. And I know, you know, and, 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 and we, we are different. God, that's what, God, that's the, what the verse I just read says. We are different. We're called to be different. We shouldn't act like the world. When you follow the Lord and you're filled with his spirit and you're living a life for him, it shouldn't look like the world. It's set apart. And I, I know it's not always easy to be different. It's not always easy to, you know. I, I, I grew up in um, elementary school. I went to public school. Middle school, I went to public school. High school, public school. Went to Indiana University. Went to UCF. Like, I, I get it. I know what it's like to be the, the one that's a little different. And, and But God, that's what God called us to. He called us to not look like the world and to be a part of the world. He honors a set-apart life. And now, you know, my children are getting older, and I know I'm starting to know, <laughs> beginning to know, what it's like to be the parent who has to kind of say, no, that's not what we're going to do. That's something, maybe your friends do that, and that's fine, but this is what we do. And I, and I know it's not always easy, but that's what God has called us to, and it's what is needed in this hour. So my challenge is parents, grandparents, members of this church, build the spiritual ark for our children. Amen. Bring them to church. Don't just bring them, though. Be a godly example for them. Live a, a godly life. Live a set-apart life. Be the example for them. Cover them in prayer. I mean, like I said, I'm speaking to everybody. Maybe you don't have children here today, but find some, a teenager in the church. Find a young person or a child in the church and make a difference in, the, in their lives. Pray for them. Be interested in them. You know, just, just um, care about our next generation because this world is passing away. The sin and the pleasure of this world is temporary. The things that we want to be a part of and, the th you know, it's, it's like, oh, I don't really want to say no to that. I don't really want to have to get that out of my life because I'm enjoying this. Well, let me tell you, it's temporary. Because one day, we all go before the Lord. 
right? We all have to, we all go to judgment day and our children go to judgment day. Our church, we, we will all stand before him and, and our eternity is decided. So we've got to build that covering, that ark. And in closing, uh, I just wanted to share this last little bit. Um, in, in kids' church, I, I like to have some of the older children kind of teach for the day, and they get to do their lesson, and they love, get, they love getting to do that. And uh, recently, one of the girls did her lesson on being an upstander. And I had never heard of, of an upstander, but she was teaching the other children. She said, if you see somebody being a bully, to, you know, somebody else at school, don't just stand by and watch it. You have to stand up and, and do something. And she's telling him, you know, if you're in the lunchroom or you're outside on the playground and they're being mean to each other, don't be a bystander where you just watch something happen and you don't do anything. But she said, stand up. And that, you know, that, I mean, she's 12 years old. And, and that lesson, though, maybe the other kids didn't get anything out of it. But I sure did. Because it was a challenge in my spirit, and I challenge you today, that we would not be parents, families, a church that just stands by and says, okay, well, I see this happening, and I'm just going to kind of watch it happen. But no, <laughs> we will stand up, and we will say, this is what God's called us to. This is what I, I decided for my family. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Good morning. God bless you all. Happy Mother's Day. Good morning. <laughs> I'm going to make sure we're still awake. I have something for the men, too, and I totally skipped it in the first service. So God help me today. Lord, open our hearts to your word. Help us to receive it right now. Soften us, O oh Lord. Make the ground soft and ready to receive. In Jesus' name. The word the Lord gave me was 10 pages of notes, Brother Ryan. So I'm going to really try to squeeze this in five minutes. I promise I won't go too long. To deliver a win for the kingdom, we must be a receiver first and know our own personal God. Yes. I'm just going to read you some thoughts the Lord gave me. How can we please God and see God's kingdom come in our own personal lives as mothers, as women, as the church, the body of Christ, the Bible calls it the mother of us all. Yes. We must first be a fantastic receiver of the truth of the scripture. Yes. Receiving is spiritual. It's not coming to church physically. I've heard this illustration a million times. It's so true. If you park yourself in the garage, you don't turn into a car. If you come into the house of God, you don't turn into a Christian. You have to get Jesus on the inside. So the point of this is the word of God needs to be planted in each of us for us to make a difference in our own families, in our own lives, in our own children, in the next generation. The word of God is called the seed. It must gestate in us. What does that mean? That means from the moment of conception, from the moment it enters into your heart until the moment it's mature and can be birthed in actions in our lives, there's a process. 
pray that Christ is formed in you. We need Jesus formed in us as individuals so that we become the conduit when we live at home with our husbands or wives and families, children, we are a conduit all the time. Everything we do is a ministry. It's not just Pastor Ryan and Pastor Christina standing up here ministry. Everything you do is a ministry to your family, to your children, on your job. Daniel 11.32 says, The people that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. What's an exploit? It means a bold, daring feat. That sounds like it's something too far for us to reach naturally in our own minds and thoughts. But God said, with him in us, all things are possible. So who is God and what can God do in me? Who is God to you? Who is God to you? Is he a personal God or is he just this idea? God, let me tell you something about different terms the Bible calls God. The Bible calls him the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, Savior of the world, a way maker, the Most High God, the Mighty Judge, the Warrior, King of Angel Armies. The Bible calls him all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere all the time, provider, deliverer, healer, comforter, living water, Holy Ghost baptizer, rock of ages, hiding place. He calls him the wheel in the middle of the wheel, a restorer, the fourth man in the fire. These are all things that we see that God is. We have been tasked, we have been called to pass God's truth on, not just to children and the next generation, but we need to be influences in our own houses, in our own offices, no matter what your vocation is, no matter what you do for a living. Be the influencer. Be the conduit for God and his spirit. We must learn and receive in our own inner man who he is and become a repository of his spirit. Every day, the first thing you do is give God your first and your best. Every day, every day, the moment you wake up, you say, Jesus, Thank you for another day of life. My father taught me that. Jesus, thank you. I'm alive and I'm breathing. The greatest gift is for us to give it to somebody else. The Lord spoke to me and said, you need to get in an athletic position. And I knew he wasn't talking about sports. Okay. So I'm like, I got it, God. I will do that. And he meant for me to get ready to exercise my spiritual man. This is for you guys. In football, a wide receiver is an offensive player who is tasked with catching the football thrown by the quarterback and running or passing it to reach a goal. They work to outrun their defensive opponents using quick turns, good positions, and they should possess excellent skills in catching ability, agility, body control, strength, quickness, stamina, focus, and coordination. Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says, people who reject evil are happy. We don't follow or imitate sin, but we find joy in serving God and learning his word. We are like trees planted beside the stream, bearing fruit at the right time. We do not dry up, and we do succeed in everything. 
Genesis 3 and 4 says, an undiscerning Eve. She is a poor example of what we should be. She was undiscerning. She listened to the wrong voice. And God was so, so heartbroken, I'm sure, because this beautiful creation he put in his garden disobeyed him almost immediately. She received the lies and being tempted, seeking only earthly knowledge and believing lies. The devil told her, you will not die if you disobey God. You will be like God and you will know everything. She fell for it. You know, she was only looking at the natural. She wasn't really using her memory as far as saying, God is my creator, he is my father, and I need to obey God. And she also was a terrible influencer for her husband, and shame on Adam for saying, no, Eve, you you shouldn't be touching that, you know? But there are two good examples I want to give you, Jochebed and Hannah. 1 Samuel 1 and 1. An unshakable, resolute Hannah lived during the time of an apostate priesthood. Eli and his two sons, they did not serve God faithfully. They polluted the sacrifice in the temple. They, the, his sons laid with women and committed fornication. Eli did not restrain his sons. He honored his sons above his God. And so because of that, he failed in his office in the priesthood. That's when Hannah lived. She didn't even have a good preacher. But you know what? She still was in a household with a, another wife, which wasn't a good thing. Think about it. Two wives and one husband. And her rival, every year, it seemed like, had another baby. Hannah was barren. But God chose to use a barren woman, Hannah, to bring forth Samuel, a child minister priest, to the Lord, and God used Samuel to anoint kings. God knew Samuel would be faithful. He ministered before the Lord as a child, and he obeyed the Lord. He knew the voice of the Lord, and the Bible even says that God didn't let any words of Samuel fail or hit the ground. Exodus 2 and 1 says, During 400 years of miserable Hebrew slavery, God used a fearless Jochebed and her husband from the tribe of Levi to birth a baby boy during the time of an evil Pharaoh. The Pharaoh made a law to kill thousands of baby boys. Hebrew families tossed their precious infant boys into the jaws of crocodiles in the Nile River. And, you know, the devil may have tempted her and said, you know, you've got Miriam, you've got Aaron, you've got one of each. It's okay. You know, you might be in trouble with the Pharaoh. You better throw that baby in the river. But Hannah and her husband stood up and said, no, uh-uh, this is a beautiful, fine child. And the Bible said the gift of God is children. They're a gift from God. So she stood up to man's law and obeyed God's law. And you know the story of Moses. If you don't know it, read Exodus. It is prim- so, it's so full of principles and so full of inspiration to even live our Christian life today. The multiple miracles and the principles of Moses' life in Exodus are examples for us today. Hannah knew her God. She was barren. She was full of sorrow. She had been taunted. She was just tormented by her rival, but she poured out her heart to God in the house of God. And God turned her sorrow and her bitterness into an answer. God gave her the answer. 
Jochebed and her husband, even though they were living under pressure to do the wrong thing in their time, chose to obey God, and God raised up a deliverer. God chooses what we wouldn't choose. God sees our hearts. We see the flesh. We say, oh, that person isn't going to do that, or that person shouldn't do that, or isn't worthy of that. But God chooses what we wouldn't choose. So knowing your God, God is calling us today. God is calling all of us today, not just mothers, not just women. God is calling all of us as his body, as his bride. God is calling us as his church. The house of God, the church of God is a nest. It's a safe place in the top of the trees where we are safe from predators, where we are safe from harm. We need to bring people into the house of God. We need to bring people into the body of Christ. God bless you today. Good morning, Promise Church, and happy Mother's Day to all the women of Promise. Um, this morning, I would like to share a personal testimony about God's goodness in my life. As a teen, I prayed at this altar for God's guidance in my life. I prayed for my future, my education, and all the things that I wanted in my life, or at least I thought I wanted. I prayed that one day I would have a family. I had no idea who I would marry, how many children I wanted, but I asked God to go before me, protect me, and be with me. I always knew I wanted to be a mother because I had a good mom, a mom that took me to church, that taught me to pray and to honor God. I knew that when I became a mother, I wanted to pass those blessings and lessons on to my children, to the next generation. Five years ago, I started having swollen lymph nodes in my neck. I didn't think anything of it because I've always been healthy. Never had any medical conditions. I thought I was having some rare reaction to something. But the lymph nodes were constant and started becoming inflamed and became very painful. I started visiting different specialists and going through testing to find out what was wrong. I remember praying during that time, saying, God, you have never failed me nor forsake me. Yeah. Whatever I am about to discover, Jesus, I know it's part of your plan for my life. Yeah. I put everything into your hand, Father, because I cannot carry this burden alone. Right. I was told that my symptoms were unusual, but it could be multiple things. Eventually, the testing results were all completed, and after a biopsy and full body scan, I was diagnosed with Sjogren's an autoimmune condition. I was shocked because I had never experienced any symptoms. During that process, I was asked by multiple physicians if I wanted children, if I had difficulty conceiving, and if I was even able to carry a child full term. I looked at my physician and I said, I'm confused by your question because I am blessed with four children and carried them all for full term, never had an issue. I was told that I wasn't a typical case, but I already knew that because I know who I pray to. 
In that moment, I, I paused. I was overcome with thankfulness. I knew I was blessed in my life, but after hearing my diagnosis, I realized that my blessings were beyond what I could comprehend. I honestly believe that all of those prayers that I prayed in faith and by honoring God with whatever I had, my heavenly father showed me favor. I am reminded in the Bible of how God blessed those who seek him first and trust him. In Samuel chapter one, when Hannah prayed for a child, she was blessed with Samuel. But she honored her promise to God by returning Samuel to the temple to serve. In chapter two, as you read on, Hannah's blessing did not stop. She went on to conceive. Again, God continued to bless her with three sons and two daughters. There is a blessing in honoring our promises to God. On this Mother's Day, I am thankful for God's goodness in my life, for his miracles. Being a mother is a tough job, but it's filled with joys and blessings and sometimes stress. But I am thankful for God's love, his grace, his compassion to my life. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6 says, For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can say confidently, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? At my annual checkup this year, I was told that all my labs were fine. Everything was fine. There was no changes. There were no changes and no medication was necessary. That I would continue to monitor every year. I was asked by my physician, how do you keep your stress levels down with such a busy life? said, I pray. My doctor said, you mean you meditate? I said, no. I pray. I pray to Jesus who's still doing miracles. Thank you. Good afternoon. Happy Mother's Day to all the ladies here. If you're wondering why I'm up here speaking when I'm not a mother, I don't know either. <laughs> I told the first service, I think it's just because I was raised by the best mother that's ever walked the face of the planet, so maybe I have some kind of a tip for you. But when I was growing up, my parents were not very traditional. We don't have traditions. We, um, we didn't even take the normal traditions like opening presents on Christmas because my dad was like, why would we wait when they're right there? They're we already have them. Let's play now. So um, we didn't live, we didn't carry any traditions um, and we really didn't live a traditional lifestyle. My parents never worked the eight to five off Saturday, Sunday. Um, I, my brother and I always joke about we were raised by a pioneering Daniel Boone and a uh, gun-toting Annie Oakley, if they had been pr a preacher and a preacher's wife. But there was one thing that my parents did insist on, and that was going to church, a preacher and a preacher's wife. Um, the, I never woke up on Sunday and said, are we going to church? I woke up every Sunday hearing my dad say, are we going to be late for church? Um, both of my parents were and are warriors for Jesus. 
And they led their church in worship, singing, dancing, ministering, reading the Bible, daily prayers, and Bible studies. But only one of them has a war hoop. And that was my mom. When the spirit inside of my mother would overflow with joy, she let out a yell that would cause chills to go down your spine. And the hair on the back of your neck would stand in reverence of the entrance of the Holy Spirit. High heels would start flying and people would start running the aisles. Preachers just quietly put away their notes. And backsliders would stand in awe of the presence of the Lord. When I was very young, I would hit my knees and I would pray through when my mom let out that hoop because I was just sure that the Lord was about to sound the trumpet. But when I was a teenager, I would slide down the pew in embarrassment into the floor. But once I got there, I started praying because I did not want to miss out what the Lord was about to do. The war hoop was a signal to the church and to the enemy that the battle was either about to start and the time for gearing up was right now, or it was that the church, the battle was over and the church, it was time for rejoicing. The church would come alive, the army would stand to attention. That war hoop started a lot of late-night worship sessions at my church. It led camp meeting blowouts. It paused sermons in mid-stride. And when my dad traveled to preach at a really quiet church, sometimes it raised the dead. Now, we have been blessed at Promise with someone who has developed their own war hoop. If you've ever been around the altar during a powerful service, you have probably heard our sweet, mild manner, Pastor Christina, let out a warrior yell. The first time I heard it, I looked, to, looked around to see what was happening, and sure enough, the person she was praying with was receiving the spirit. And that spirit started leaping to the people praying with them, and then it leapt to the others in the altar. And next thing you know, the people that were sitting in the seats were standing, watching, watching the spirit move around the room. And I smiled because the Lord had put a new warrior in my life to signal the start or the end of a battle. But I'm not going to let her hoop alone. I've decided that I am going to be a warrior on the front lines, signaling to those in the back that when the enemy comes in like a flood, you're going to hear Erica let out some battle cries like her mama did. And when the victory has been won, you're going to hear Erica send out a victory shout like her pastor Christina does. 
And mamas, I would encourage you to teach your babies what the battle cry of a warrior sounds like. One who is about to defeat the enemy for their family. And teach them what a victory shout sounds like. That when they hear this sound, it's time to stand. It's time to rejoice. It's time to thank the Lord for the victory. Raise your hands. Let your lips sing and make your feet dance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I remember playing church charades when I was a kid. And if you don't know what that is, I found out some people don't. It's when little kids get together and they play church and they mimic someone in the church and then you're supposed to guess who it is. Yeah, I got some ladies right here that know, yes. And so we'd be playing this game and all of a sudden someone would go, and I would say, ha, I know that, that was my mom. And I wonder when the babies of this church play charades and they hear, yes, woo, if they say, oh, I know that, that's Pastor Christina. <laughs> and when they hear, hallelujah, they say, oh, I know who that is, that's Sister Rosa. And when they hear, Holy Spirit, activate, they say, oh, I know, that's Sister Ruby. <laughs> but are they going to know what your battle cry sounds like? Moms, I would encourage you today to get up to the front line and raise your voice. Your babies need to know your voice of war and of victory. Because the battle is coming, and the warriors are needed, and there are victories to be won today. I don't know. It's kind of hard to come up here after Erica. You sure you don't want to close, Erica? <laughs> we'll just call it a day. Be done. All right, so I was told I have five minutes, but since I'm learning from pastor and I'm the last one, we're going to change that to 20 minutes? No? Okay. I tried. Sorry, guys. Okay. All right, so let's get to it. So I'm going to begin by telling you guys a story because I'm a storyteller. It's the teacher inside of me. All right, so this is a story about a young girl. Just try not to cry, okay? This story is about a young girl at the age of 17 who really thought she had it figured out. You see, this girl loved to party, and she tried to get invited to all the parties she could. She wanted to make as many friends as she could, and she wanted to live the life to the fullest, or at least she thought she did. You see, the same girl, from the day she can recall, she witnessed her parents' unfaithfulness toward each other. Being the oldest, she felt as if she had the responsibility to make sure that her younger siblings didn't get hurt. She wanted to protect them. She felt the burden for them. She would see how her parents disrespected each other verbally and physically. It was never just one fight. 
people would see her and ask her, why do you seem so happy? Now granted, she lived in a small town with only 7,000 people of population. And people think that they knew your life story, and if they didn't, they would make it up. But what they did not know was that she got real good at hiding that pain. Or should I say brokenness? That is until she turned 16 and her life started spiraling. She began to party. She began to drink. She began to hang out with the wrong crowd. And she even contemplated life. She planned to commit suicide. Is that okay for me to share? Now, I know this is a normal message for Mother's Day, but I promise there's a reason behind it. If it wasn't for her younger brother who walked in the room as if she was about to do it, she wouldn't be here today. Or should I say, I wouldn't be here today. At the age of 17, something extraordinary happened. A friend from school invited her to lunch at the library to hang out. That was actually code for Bible study at the library. God used him to touch me. And God began to work in me in a school library. I then realized that God still loved me even with all that brokenness. He wanted to heal me. And he wanted to use that and give it a purpose. Now, why am I talking about this on Mother's Day? Because God can use all of that and use it and give it a purpose. That's what I'm here to stand and testify about, the goodness of God. How he healed my family and how he healed my parents' marriage. As a matter of fact, last week they just celebrated the 30th year anniversary. That's the God we serve. He still healed me. He's still working in me. He's still making me whole. He's not finished with me. And guess what? He's not finished with you either. I will, give, I will say this, but first I'm going to ask the music to come because then I'll get too excited and then I'll forget. So music come. I want to give you examples of people in the Bible who God used their brokenness and gave it a purpose. Elijah also in the Bible, was suicidal. In 1 King 19.4, he even told God, take my life away. This is too much for me to bear. But through him, God used him, and there was somebody anointed for his kingdom, which was Elijah. Joseph was abused by his siblings. Can we talk about abuse? And God later on Turn that around in Genesis 50, 20 and use Joseph to interpret dreams. Talk about God. Jacob was a cheater. I knew that far too well. Like I said, it was never just one fight with my parents. Yet God changed his name to Israel because he struggled with God and he overcame. That was in, I'm sorry. That was in Genesis 32, 28. Thank you, Pastor. <laughs> David was a murderer. He murdered because he wanted a woman. He was a king. He could have just asked for one. But he wanted one specific woman, and then he killed her spouse. 
2 Samuel 11, 14 through 15. But then eventually he became a person after God's heart. Naomi, a widow, told God that her name was Mara because she had lost her husband and her two sons. And she was bitter. But in Ruth 4.14, God blessed her with a wonderful daughter-in-law who eventually married a wealthy man and cared for her and took care of her at old age. Now remember, at this point, they're not even blood-related. And God still took care of her. And it's funny how God works because Sister Kathy and Sister um, Diana both mentioned this person too. So that's three people. I don't know why God wants you guys to hear about Hannah, but here it is. Hannah dealt with infertility. That one hits close to home because as many of you guys know, for two years my husband and I struggled to conceive our beautiful child, Layla. And just like Hannah, I prayed that same prayer. God bless me with a child. And when you do, I will turn this child and give her to you or him. And God blessed Hannah with Samuel. And she did just that. And Samuel was one of the wisest prophets used by and for God. I don't know what the plans are that God has for Layla, but I do know that if God used Samuel, he can use her too. I do know that God allowed me to go through that brokenness again two years because he was growing my faith. So that's what I'm here to tell you. I don't know what you came with today. I don't know what you're dealing with. I know what I came with. And God knows what I came with. And he wants to use that. These are just six examples in the Bible of people that God turned their brokenness and gave it a purpose. And in these pews, they are testimonies of people that God used their brokenness and gave it a purpose. He didn't change their story. He just gave it a meaning. He made them shiny. He dusted that dirty, dirty stuff, and he said, I want you to use that. I want you to testify about that and use it to give me glory because that's the God we serve. So this morning, why don't we all stand and that's all right. Give them the glory. Only you know your testimony. And that's the best way to get, glorify him. This morning we heard five different messages. How to build an ark. I love that message. Thank you, Sister Christina. How God gave us tools. And he gave us a plan. This was a plan that God gave her three months ago. Or two months ago. I don't even know anymore. I'm a new mom, okay? God gives us tools. He's not going to send us somewhere without tools, without an equipment. God takes care of you because he's the greatest father. So he's not going to send you to the battlefield, thank you, Sister Erica, without the proper gear to fight the battles. I will say this, thank you, Sister Diana, for reminding me that we find favor when we pray prayers in faith. After her beautiful testimony, I was reminded of my prayers for two years that I wanted to show Layla what it is to be a prayer warrior. So if I stand here today, I want her to, 5, 10, 15 years from now to stand here and do the same thing that I'm doing now. I don't know what you want to see your kiddos doing later. 
but I hope that it looks something like this even better. And I will say thank you, Sister Kathy, for reminding us of the God that we serve because we know he's a healer. We know he's a provider. I will even say these, he's the doctor of all doctors. He's our protector. He's our friend. So I'm going to encourage you, I hope that's okay, to come forward to the altar, but not to come by yourself. Now, this is where it gets a little uncomfortable. I want you to come with your families. I want you to come with your children, with your spouse. And I know it's a little uncomfortable for some people. Trust me, I wasn't raised in the church. I knew what it was like the first time they told me to come to the altar. And I stood there looking at everybody like, what are they doing? And I remember looking at people crying. I'm like, am I supposed to cry? No, you don't have to cry. Just let God do his thing. You just have to talk to him again. He's just your friend. So I want to encourage you to come forward. The kids are already going to come up in the front. All you have to do is find your children and pray with them and ask God to continue to work in you, to continue to mold you, to continue to make you shiny. Remember, you don't have to be perfect. All you have to do is to be willing to be used by God. And one last thing I will say before we pray. Go ahead and start make, making your way to the front. If you don't have family, don't worry. My husband and I don't have family here in the state of Florida either. But we do have a wonderful church family that will find you and pray for you. So come on up. I promise you will make room. There's no better place than the altar with your family. That's what healed my family. about it being crowded. I promise you heaven's not going to be crowded. I promise. Showing them to pray at the altar is the most beautiful thing. We may not have all the words, but it reminds us that God will meet us where we meet him. Mamas, aunties, grandmas, adopted aunties. Layla has plenty of adopted aunties in here. Let's all come together and pray. Let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your love and your mercy and for allowing us to come today. We are reminded of how you find favor upon us. Today we come and we pray a prayer of faith. It is a little bit out of the ordinary. It is a little bit out of our comfort zone, but we are stepping out in faith and believing that you are going to use us for your kingdom. We don't know the future. We don't have the answers. We don't know what's out there. All we know is that it can be scary. But what we do know is that we serve a God that is all powerful and almighty and that you take care of even the little children. Your word says that you know us to the point where you know how much hair we have in our head. 
that's how much you love us. So we pray that you touch us, that you touch our children, that you touch the children that come after our children and those that we may not even get to know and that they serve you all the days of their life. We claim it in Jesus' name. We claim it. We receive it right now, Lord. I encourage you this morning to pray. Lord, I receive it in Jesus' name. You know my heart. You know the things that I'm hiding. You know the things that I don't even know that are inside of me. I know that far too well. But yet, you're still molding us and making us shiny and making us new and making us into a new creation in your image. Let me be reminded that I don't have to be perfect. Let me be reminded that I don't have to be this perfect Christian and have it all together. Because you are my Father and love me with all my mistakes, with all my brokenness, with all of the things and all my mess. And you want to give it a purpose. Let me be used by you. Let me be guided by you. Lord, this morning I pray for those that are struggling just like in the Bible. Let me be reminded that you will change me and transform me into your image. I pray for those that are needing of you today. And one last prayer, God, I pray for our children. I pray that you touch them. I pray that you guide them. Wherever they are, you protect them. You wrap your arms around them. No harm will come against them because today you are lifting up warriors. They don't have to be my children to fight a battle for them. They don't have to be mine. They are yours and that means that it's my battle now. And I claim it in Jesus' name because they are the next generation, the next church. And I pray that I'm able to see the next preacher. I pray that I see the next pastor. I pray that I see the next musician. I pray that I see the next singer. I pray that I see the next missionary through them. In Jesus' name, I pray for them right now. I know it, I believe it, and I claim it. Let me have a spirit of a warrior to fight for them right now, Lord. And I pray that there are warriors in this place fighting for them. Thank you for being so good and so faithful in Jesus' name. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious. Once again, Thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend and don't forget to hit subscribe. See you.